Carved in Blue. Blog, videos, webinars and podcasts. Hello and welcome to Bluecast, a podcast series created by Carved in Blue. Carved in Blue is the online vehicle of the Lensing Denim Team, a team dedicated to developing the market for Tencel Lyocell, a responsibly made textile fiber originating from wood cellulose farmed from certified forests. In each episode of Bluecast, we will be talking to a person of interest, someone who may be known to many of you, or someone who is at the periphery of the industry. But in all cases, someone who has an interesting story to tell the denim community at large. Hello, I am Michael Kinnemuth. I'm a member of the Lensing Denim team, and this is Bluecast, a regular podcast that aims to serve the wider denim community. Within each episode of Bluecast, I will endeavor to uncover the stories behind the person as well as the person behind the stories. This week, my guest is Panos Sofianos. In our day-to-day lives, many of us tend to seek out educated opinions and answers in order to save ourselves time and organize our personal and professional lives in the simplest and most productive way. This is why many of us unknowingly turn to famous ancient Greek philosophers. They've said it all. Thousands of years ago, they attempted to explain the mysteries of life, death, and well-being by using logic and reason. This pursuit of knowledge from the group Philo for love and Sophia for wisdom gave these great men and women the name philosophers. What these extraordinary thinkers did was quite radical for their time. Up until then, people believed in magic and mythology They interpreted the world around them accordingly. The ancient Greek philosophers brought with them a totally new approach as they turned away from traditional mythological explanations and relied on their unique way of reason and evidence to explain the world. And it was this kind of thinking that later on became the basis for science and natural philosophy. It is widely acknowledged that Western philosophy was born in ancient Greece and those fundamental views were developed by ancient Greek philosophers. So today's guest is, in my view, a modern-day Greek philosopher, a deep thinker of all things denim, and a scholar of denim culture, a man who has, and most likely will, continue to have an influence on the denim industry. Panos Sofianos, welcome. Oh, my God. You made me so... How should I say, Michael? Thank you very much for this intro. Actually, I feel very privileged to uh, take part in this discussion and to share with you my uh, earliest philosophy, which I uh, really uh, made up after years of working in the sector. Uh, Hopefully, we know each other so many years, and uh, this will make us to go deeper and try to find the the holy grail somehow of our uh, <laughs> of our industry. Thank you so much for inviting me, and I'm ready to hear your questions. Well, as you say, Panos, we've been friends. Well, at least from the mid 1990s, uh, when we wet, met whilst you were working as head of R and D at Hellenic Fabrics in Greece. 
But prior to that, your career path is something of a mystery to me and others. Can you fill us in on your early career? Sure, Michael. It starts in the early 80s when I uh, started working for some interesting denim, iconic brands of that era. Uh, like to, yeah, I would like to, to name a few. It's like uh, not so very known, which was the UFO uh, jeans from uh, United States, which was my first uh, contact with the, uh, the sector. And it was actually a very, very, very uh, extraordinary experience because it was all started uh, those uh, uh, those days when we made the first stone wash in Greece. And it was <laughs> it was incredibly uh, funny story. Maybe I will tell you later about that. Then it was a uh, collaboration with Diesel. I had the chance to work with Renzo Rosso. Uh, as uh, responsible for the uh, development of the diesel uh, genes in Greece because at that time we had some restrictions in the import, import taxes and it was too high to buy them from Italy, so we had the rights to produce them in Greece. Then, uh, simultaneously, I had the chance to work with uh, Claudio Bugiol, which was who was the owner of Replay, and, of course, with Adriano Goldmith, who was the, uh, how should I say, he was the, uh, the, 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 the uh, main founder of those brands. Then, in the years uh, uh, that came after, I had the chance to work for brands like Le Coupa, Lois from Spain, Mastang from Germany, and many others that uh, I don't think that it matters to say to talk about. Then... Uh, uh, actually, it is something that uh, really forced me to go deeper and deeper in, th- in the sector and try to find what was was going on. And when I realized that uh, the brands were enough for me to give me the experience, I moved to the uh, the denim making, uh, and it was something like you know going back to the roots. Of, of 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 the material which was making denim and was then for uh, 12 years uh, and the head of the uh, uh, R&D of uh, Hellenic Fabrics, uh, which should say historical uh, mill that used to work with the main brands like Levi's, like Diesel, and all the others, and mainly from France, like Liberto, uh, like um, um, Aviatic or Shippy. Uh, and uh, all those uh, incredible brands that uh, were making fantastic jeans in that period. And then uh, I had some proposals to, uh, to to work again for the, uh, as I said, for the, uh, for the for the meals, and I was invited from Royo in Spain when I stayed for enough years to uh, be allowed to do my uh, dreams to become true, which actually was the first contact with sustainability where we did great things, and we can talk maybe later. Great. Well, when I look at my early career, um, actually, I, I was born and educated in a very traditional textile area in the UK, and... Um, I finished my exams before university and a friend of my mum's who was the personnel officer at a local mill um, said there was a 
a summer job going. And so I took a summer job at a textile mill, fully intending to go to university, fully intending to do architecture, and I never left. So I started earning money, and if you earned money, you could buy a car, and if you had a car, you could attract more girls. So that was my early career. So I always planned to go into architecture. So did you have any aspirations to go into a a different career than you ended up in? Well, frankly saying, I had some dreams, actually. Uh, You're going to laugh. Because I was... uh, I was thinking to become an actor because I had, I should say, I had some talents because I was doing some imitations and some, you know, some funny stories in the high school. We um, made some uh, um, work, some, 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 some theater. And uh, then my, my friends used to say, why don't you go to be an actor? Why don't you do that? And I said, okay, but finally, as usual, uh, my mom and, of course, my father uh, were, were forcing me to go and study at the university. So I had the, um, uh, you know, the uh, university studies in the uh, um, School of Management of Thessaloniki. And then uh, all of a sudden, my cousins opened the first um, a unit of uh, uh, manufacturing in, in, in Greece. That's what I told, I said before about diesel and all, all those brands. And it was actually a, a very good um, offer for me, which had to do also with money. And because my money, my mother used to say that if you've been up to, you will die on the floor. And so it was, you know, actually, it, it was this uh, idea about the actors. And I think she was not wrong, because if you if you see now, actors are really suffering. Of course, we are suffering all. But, uh, okay, I had the chance to do the same thing, acting and doing some things on denim, which was uh, actually, uh, the, I should say, quite creative and important for me. So acting on, or as, as an actor or acting as a denim maker was pretty the same for me. Yeah. yeah. So you were, you, your early career, your early life was in Greece. Um, and, today, you know, Greece and Turkey are geographical neighbors. But in terms of textile uh, terms, uh, they seem to have gone in completely different directions. So politics aside, why do you think this has happened? You know, why why has Greek textiles really um, uh, shrunk where Turkish textiles have, have, have increased year on year? And now there must be maybe 15 or 20 denim mills in Turkey. Have you any view of that? Of course. Actually, it's a matter of, ah, there are a lot of, uh, I should say, a lot of uh, details that say, uh, make things happen like that. First of all, uh, Turkey uh, was producing uh, cotton that period. Uh, Greece was producing more than Turkey and was more involved in the textile business. But actually, we've been hit actually from the um, policy of uh, bonus 
and bonuses of expert bonuses. So uh, we were um, companies, all the companies, the textile companies were uh, had benefits which actually were not permitting us to change the uh, level of uh, quality. And we were uh, uh, providing to Europe uh, all the uh, you know uh, underwear and or easy things, which did not allow us to have the same fortune as uh, uh, Italy, for instance, that had a lot of uh, of tradition on that. On that, uh, as a country, we had uh, a small uh, short, shortcut uh, regarding the um, the culture of the of our country. And this uh, really affected uh, the uh, industry, and uh, we lost the chance, as I, 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 I say, uh, to become more uh, competitive and more um, and offering much more, let's say, creative things. We didn't also follow the branding policy that should be. We never care about the. Um, uh, giving a, a certain um, uh, identity to our products, although that we had uh, this uh, uh, magnificent past, uh, which have never thought to, uh, I mean, to uh, to connect with uh, the uh, earlier days, uh, uh, let's say, um, activities. So we uh, remained an industry that was supplying low. Uh, low visibility or low, uh, I should say, low low um, value uh, goods without brands. We were not selling brands. We were just providing the market with cotton goods. Then uh, Turkey took this privilege because of the uh, changes in the European uh, field. Italy started to decline. So what happened actually was uh, people moving from Italy or maybe Greece to Turkey to uh, do this job as experts. And, of course, Turkey took this privilege and as a non-European country that had, of course, some, had some, uh, again, some advantages, lower wages and uh, all those things, which kept us in the, uh, actually in the backstage. And uh, I would say that it's uh, thinking all, all all those things. It could be a good chance for us to make a restart, which we actually uh, are trying after the uh, the um, the um, pandemic. I suppose that the government understands that, and we will maybe have the ch- the second chance to do something great. Let's hope so. I think there's. There's a strong feeling now in Europe about restarting, so let's hope that that, that goes the right way. Um, so I I know from my early career in Tencel um, in the mid-90s that um, we had a very strong environmental story um, from the beginning, but actually nobody really cared for it at all, and it was a very difficult sell. Um, but I, 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 I read a, an article um, where you were featured way back when in Hellenic, uh, and even in those days, you were trying to make responsibly made products. You were you were you looking at organic f- 
cotton and you were looking at recycled polyester. What was it that really drove your environmental philosophy, even in those early days? It's a very good question. Actually, it's a, it was for me a challenge to make things that I learned when I was in, in school about echo practices. Actually, echo means echoes, which means the house. So ecology was actually to take care about the place that you live and to take care about uh, all, this, all, all the um, co- coinciding things around. And uh, I had the sensibility to uh, foresee that this could could be the main issue for the future. Uh, I think it was an intuition that I had. Uh, remember my mother that uh, in the hard times, she was making clothes from the old clothing and making new, brand new clothes with fantastic style. So I said, this is something that we could do again during the times of recession, for instance. And it was my first, when the prices of cotton went very high, actually I said that it was my first proposal I did to the mill actually to start using the remaining the remains of our uh, cotton wastage. And even the buffer stocks that we were providing some brands and we were not able to sell them, I said it should be better to reuse it because I had the, I had the paradigm. I had an example. It was Parmalat who was using all the leftovers of, uh, of dairies and to make some yogurts or to make some, some, light, uh, <laughs> some light creams and uh, some, you know, uh, less... Uh, um, uh, with, with li- yeah, with lower uh, fat, and I said it, it, it's time for us to make the same thing. And I, I, I was trying to find some, I should say, some smart solutions like the Salifox denim that we did for diesel, and it was the period of dirty denim. I suppose you all remember that. And I said, why don't we use a, a naturally dyed yarn? And we did the Salifox. It was the famous article Mojave. It was based actually the color of the, of the desert. And we had the, we had the, we actually we had this chance to do things. But I don't think that the brands were ready to accept it. Uh, uh, my, uh, my colleagues in Hellenic were very open-minded, especially the owners. But, of course, they were also pulled by the, uh, the, 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 the cotton market that, you know, as Greece is still the first the, uh, European co- country that produces about the 80% of European cotton still. And, uh, but it was a different culture for the bronze. So it, it was lack of culture, except some big, some small ones that were really keen to, to see all those products, but actually... As you know, uh, the denim industry produces uh, box and it was not volumes, and it was not easy to control those things. So uh, it stayed as it as it was. But uh, actually, the virus in my uh, in my veins it was already in, uh, and uh, I was vaccinated by the echo <laughs> vaccine, and uh, I was uh, <laughs> I was trying yeah I was trying to make it happen around. And then it was the, the gr- big chance that I had to work for Royo. Uh, it was a, a Spanish mill that uh, faced the same difficulties to survive. So um, the president, uh, a fantastic guy that you all, all, all uh, you know also, 
uh, invited me to do all those crazy, but not so crazy things that I had in mind. We did it. And it was so, 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 uh, so nice to do things like that. Well, like me, you are some 40 years, 40 odd years into your career in the denim industry. So you'll have seen many changes. Um, what would you say the changes have been that have been for the for the good or for the positive, and what are the ones that are, are less so? So I, I'd say that if you mean, I mean the whole, I mean the the the, the whole area, the changing. whole industry, yeah, I, the whole I, industry. Yes. Actually, I should say, I mean, you mean which was the most re- remarkable ones? What what no? What do you think has changed for the best, and what do you think? Uh, ah, as during, changed yeah, that really dur- you during don't during those like. those d- during those Dur- d- yeah. during during your career yeah okay let me name the first one i will never forget what i did for of course i did we did for hellenic but i think what we did with royal it was the hybrid denim it was something that really was the um, i should say the pioneer of all those things that happen now we had, the, we, as Royo was the uh, the first company that was using a lot of tinsel, which was uh, a very, uh, let's say, um, um, interesting product as, as fiber because it was giving supple, suppleness and 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 and, and drapey hands. Uh, we started making some, I should say, some individual denims. Uh, and especially for the uh, for the latest uh, jeans, and then we figured that tensel was the perfect ingredient to uh, to blend with uh, other things, and so we started blending with the regenerated cotton that we were uh, uh, taking from an in, from from a company in the area. Uh, I, I would name it. This was Ilaturas uh, Ferre that were uh, doing um, lots of uh, recycled yarns, open-end, of course. But this gives us the opportunity to make a fantastic blends with Tencel. Uh, it was a concept that is called in the Valencian, uh, um, in the Valencian um, language, Renascut, which means re- reborn. And this, uh, it was actually the, 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 the very first um thing we did there and then what came after for sure it was the dry indigo which is something very progressive which was one of my mental child uh, children when i left loria and this makes me very proud that the company now is using those techniques to uh sell to 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 to, to interest to important brands yeah, so, I mean, in terms of changes in the industry that are not so positive, I, I would say the one thing for me is that um, we've had many companies around the world come, in, come into denim think it, thinking that it's an easy industry to come into, and we've ended up with a huge oversupply and um, almost a race to the bottom on a lot of, of cheaper product, let's call it, so I would say, for me, that's that's one thing I've seen in that, in my career that I, I I really don't like. Can you think of anything in, that you'd like to? Of course, to point I, out. To yeah, you? actually, when I uh, heard about those big chains that were 
canceling the intermediate, I said, oh, we're talking about the democratization of denim. Then I saw that 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 uh, banks were involved in this, and this made me very um, conscious about it because it, it is profit, high profit, stock exchange, and all those things. And I said, no future, because we are abusing the um, the matter. I mean, we're abusing the material, we're abusing the, 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 we're using denim, actually oversupplied, did a lot of problems, huge problems that are still making us suffer as an industry. And this created all the biggest problems of pollution because behind all this, there were very ambitious companies that wanted to take the biggest share in the market so saying, okay, let us create uh, a system that will supply clothes for nothing, uh, just using this, this this golden dust, and uh, you know, becoming the new luxury, which which actually was not luxury. Actually, it was it was a rubbish luxury, which was uh, actually cre- was was creating the problems that we have inherited until now. And which we are trying now to get rid of them, but it's too it's too difficult difficult to do that. So my uh, opinion is that hmm. uh, those hard times have been made has been I mean uh, created by us again. Talking us, not exactly as individuals, but we were part of this world. And this is my 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 sense is that I wish to make a correction on what we did. It's not like Francois Gibault who made the first stone wash. Actually, this guy said, okay, I don't feel very proud of it. Of course, myself, I don't feel very proud of it because I did the same mistakes, which was actually, I can mention it, mistakes. Actually, they were uh, out of thinking things. We were not, we were not good thinkers those days. We were just taking part in things that actually, uh, in actions that were uh, about to make suffer, make us suffer. So, as we see the world go around and adapt rapid new tech, technological change, electric cars, autonomous cars, artificial intelligence virtual currencies, wearable technology. The denim industry still has obsession with the past, with vintage and heritage. Do you think this is a healthy obsession? <laughs> I think it's the most it's the most most important question that you're asking me now. It's actually what we need to do. It's uh I should say um, uh, 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 some some people call it the growth, but actually I don't call it the growth. I think it's uh, the way that uh, we can call it the never-ending uh, back to the roots romance. Uh, because I feel that without heritage, there is no problems uh, without ethics and. And uh, the most important thing is that we use this as an antidote to make us survive uh, uh, during this uh, disruption, this mass disruption of technology that this cannot be followed by, 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 by normal uh, people. And this is what is also m- making things upside down. 
And I, I'm sure that the, also policies, uh, I mean, the country policies are heavily suffer from this because it's something that is, it comes from individual I mean, actions like Elon Musk or uh, Richard Branson or even um, uh, people like, you know, Bill Gates that did the uh, incredible things all those years. Now they are talking the uh, uh, the impossible, uh, I mean, uh, burger or all those things that really make us think that we have never yet, uh, I mean, live the the the, uh, the real the real uh, revolution. There are many things to come. So denim, the heritage denim and the vintage denim is used to be our uniform to make us uh, live. Uh, in between and I think denim works like an underdog and on the other hand I think denim takes part in this evolution with wearable technology and so on which I think it will be the real future uh, about smart smart products and so on and what I feel is that uh, the uh, actual uh, reaction is true, is good, and it has to be like that. Because denim is, uh, I should call it, uh, a very uh, emotional uh, garment and ha- has so many stories to say, which really helps us to, to feel a little bit, uh, let's say, uh, out of season. Out of uh, or even out of evolution, which which is actually happens, but uh, is is working like a uniform protecting us from the unknown. So we were talking about looking back then. Um, um, the opposite of that is there's a lot of talk about having a great reset being talked about, and when the pandemic goes away um if there is such a thing as a reset or a great reset what do you believe this will mean for the denim industry yes i think it's uh it's uh, again it's reasonable because the reset has to be happen but we need to reboot we need to rewrite the history we need to start from uh, scratch and some things and we have to be fair with ourselves and with our children and our children's children is what we, I'm saying since uh, many years that uh, we are uh, definitely responsible for things that really happened not so good. And we have to make, uh, not to use the autocorrect, but we have to be uh, ourselves to correct the industry. I think hopefully technology is helping a lot. What is really uh, missing actually for me is, is a miss of Magna Carta. We need to have, uh, uh, I should should call it the the book of uh, of ethics. Uh, Just to make a comparison, I mean, the car industry has a book of ethics. Has a book of ethics. And hopefully now we see that it's changing dramatically. And we have to do the same thing. And uh, I should suggest the industry and the leaders to ask from the governments uh, to take this initiative and create uh, some uh, rules 
about that. And, and it's not only environmental rules. We see that actually it's a hypocritic management. Uh, and I see behind that that they are getting ready to do the same mistake that will say that, okay, we understood which was our fault, and I think, and, and now we have to act differently, and we have to stop problems that happen in Myanmar, and we have to stop people underpaid in Bangladesh, and we have to stop doing this and that. Or the problems in China with cotton, and we have so many uh, examples to think about. What we really think is a very uh, um, responsible attitude, which I think that Transformers is trying to do that. My friend Andrew is doing a fantastic initiative, and this is something that, as, as a show, of course, we are uh, giving hands to them. And this is something that um, will have to, uh, to, to, to uh, occur the, the days to co- uh, in the days to come. So I think, I think you know, in your, in your current role as the curator of denim dedicated to Blue Zone, um, I really believe that you have found your niche and you have been a visionary looking, looking to the future. And I think the, the key house concept particularly has been a real triumph. Um, and it's set aside denim show that set aside your denim show against anybody else. So has it developed how you envisaged or, and, and, and where do you think it can go in the future? Of course, I think it's for us is the best thing that happened in the uh, in our show. The key house is uh, definitely my favorite concept. Uh, it's a show and show. It's a capture show, which we are um, we hope to make it bigger. Um, I think in this case there is no ceiling. Uh, it's a sim. It's a seamless uh, procedure. And it's very challenging because what we mentioned before about the uh, those uh, um, fast changes that happen in the industry, what we aim to do is to make it plenty of new content. But, of course, uh, curating things. This is like I'm taking care about who is doing the right thing and has to be promoted there. And I'm, I feel lucky because we are collaborating with Lensing in this area which became our one of the main sponsors, and I feel very uh, uh, blessed that we had this chance to present fantastic concepts. It's a re, uh, rehab concept, and uh, all the other things that we had there, the microfactories, and all the bio uh, products we did from mushrooms and so on, which I have to name a few. We also have offering a, a prize in that, an award for the for the people that are are trying to make something different and, and, and innovative. Yes, I think it it will be our uh, next very big thing, which we are. Um, uh, maintaining and trying to make it even better. Well, I really look forward to that. Um, so, if we again, we're if we are looking into the future, uh, future generations, looking back to 
let's say, a fictional denim archive that we create today. What do you think? What do you think you would put into a denim archive that would really encapsulate your denim philosophy for future generations? Oh my! It's a uh, that's a, a, a question. It's a hard question. There, there were many of them, and it would be a shame to forget them. But I, let's say, among them, I would say for me the historic. I mean, uh, move. It was making the first engineer denim made by Tencel uh, for Levi. Actually, it was something coming out of any blue because we were invited to make something that, you know, Levi's was not selling very, very well that period, and they wanted for something really innovative. So we were lucky to be among your uh, I mean, uh, Lansing's uh, collabor- um, I mean, um, partners. And actually, it was Arroyo also there. It was actually, it's a, so it's a karma that I worked for two uh, mills that they were doing the same job, but then, uh, Arroyo was doing in lightweights and we were doing the heavyweights. Actually, the product was amazing because it was such a nice raw material with a, a fantastic uh, uh, medium indigo, uh, and it, it was really offering something so nice, so nice in touch. On the other hand, so so heavy duty. Uh, I mean, a product, and I should say that this should be the one that we we'll, would put in the capsule and the archive for the future. That's a that's a good choice. <laughs> I really say it was all, almost like a, a modern 501 of that generation. Uh, it was a, a complete rede- redesign of, um, of a fabric and a denim jean. So, yes, I think that's a good choice. And um, so finally, my last question. Um, since I lost my, my youthful good looks quite some time ago, um, I find more and more at tr- denim trade shows, people are passing me in the corridors and saying hello to me. And many of these people I don't recognize. And and it was only recently, um, back in 2019, when we had shows, that uh, one guy p- passed me and said, hi there. And I said, hi. He said, hi, Panos, to me. <laughs> so... All these people who are saying hello to me, I think they think I am I am you. So the fact the, the fact, you know, that I am your doppelganger, your your lucky likey, my question is, should I regard this as an honor or should you regard it as an honor that you look like me? I would say this, uh, the second that uh, you should call me Michael, and I, I am, I am more than privileged to have you uh, between my uh, my colleagues of life. Uh, there are a few people counted in my uh, two hands fingers that I could mention, and one of them, believe me, it's you. And I'm so lucky to, I'm so happy that we have in those times, of the hard times of pandemic. Which we hope that will end someday, and and it will be under control. Not, it will never end. Actually, we have to be convinced that we have to live with this. 
So I feel very, very, very blessed that we have this chance to talk about those um, those matters that really, really, really uh, have to uh, bother us uh, and bother others, that uh, we all together must be as one. And I think this is the... This is actually um, iconic that me and you will resemble it. Maybe we, because we are infected by the same, by, by the same virus again, which is the good virus, and that made us to work for the industry, just trying to make make it better. And I, I still remain feel young and remain young because of that. And I have so lo- so many things in, in my mind to do in the future, and hopefully, I hope my health will be enough and good to give me this uh, uh, this chance to continue. Well, that's good news that you have no plans to retire. Um, <laughs> Never. <laughs> and like you, I hope we have many many years yet to to work together. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. And hopefully you'll tune in for the next episode of Bluecast. Thank you and goodbye. Thanks for listening. For more information, head to carvedinblue.com. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn at Carved in Blue and the Blue Lens YouTube channel.